You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid movie recommendations for whatever ails you. Note, we are not real therapists and we are not doctors, but we are movie critics. Oh, yes, we are. So watch out. (laughs) So shall we get to this week's letters, Rafer? Yes, indeed. Our first letter is from Phoebe. She says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I am an essential worker. Every day I go into work as a nursing assistant. I do everything that's required of me, and I do it with efficiency and care. But it's hard. We are understaffed, we don't have enough resources, and our poor patients, my heart breaks for them, alone in their beds because no visitors are allowed. At work, I keep a smile on my face, but each night when I come home, I am on the verge of tears. I wish I could cry. I know I need a good cry, but I could really use some help. Any suggestions would be appreciated as long as they don't involve death. Mm. Kristen, what do you say? Oh, first I say, Phoebe, thank you for everything you're doing. And second, I say, Phoebe, my heart is breaking for you. This is so sad. Everything that you're doing, you are giving so much of yourself away for everybody else right now. And the world appreciates it, even if you don't always hear it. Uh, but of course you need a good cry. Of course, it's just like what you're dealing with on the minute, on the hour, day after day after day. I, I hope I'm not sounding like I'm overstretching here, but I think a lot of us see it as a war zone. And I'm so sorry that you're going through this right now. Sure, I think that's true. Um, you know, I think um, I'm I am merely a bystander in this war so far. Um, so yeah, and also Phoebe, um, just so you know, I want to let you know, me and my family, we are uh, at our window, leaning out, clapping, cheering every night at seven o'clock, as is our tradition here in New York City. I don't know where you are, Phoebe, but that's the hour that we do it out here, and we're not the only ones. We can hear people up and down the block. We if people are walking down the street, they stop, they clap. People with dogs. So um, it is not going uh, unappreciated, what you're doing. So uh, keep it up. 
Yes, please do it. People are cheering all over the world. They're cheering. They're cheering definitely in New York and London, but also in other cities around the world. And I mean, it's such a minor thing probably to you, but to the rest of us, it's like the best we can do, I think, because we're trapped at home other than making our donations and doing all we can to try and keep the world safe by staying at home. But um, we do really appreciate you. So Rafer, for a good cry, what is your movie recommendation? Okay, well, I'm going to go back, back in history, uh, all the way back to City Lights by Charlie Chaplin from 1931. <gasps> the story here is very simple. Uh, Chaplin's little tramp uh, sees a flower girl on the street who is very poor, and she's blind. And the tramp falls in love with her, and he realizes that she's in trouble. Her grandmother is very ill. They're both in danger of being evicted. So he begins finding ways to earn money to help her out. Most of these are comedic ways. You know, he takes up boxing. uh, He uh, befriends a millionaire. uh, He tries to do street sweeping. Through a misunderstanding, she thinks he's a millionaire who has taken an interest in her. And of course, she doesn't want to disabuse her of that notion. He learns there's a new operation that can restore her sight. So he vows to raise the money for it. But of course, the big question is, once she can see and she realizes he's just a lowly tramp, will she love him back? What we're going to play is the theme song to the film. It's uh, Chaplin wrote it himself, actually, although it's based on a composition called La Viola Terra. And here it is. So, oh, my heart, my my eyes are leaking right now, just thinking about this movie, just hearing that music, and just knowing, you know, the love that's at stake here. You're making a lot of sacrifices for somebody that you hope will love you back, and you just don't know if they will. It's a beautiful story. It's a timeless story, I think, because we've all been in that situation where we're giving and giving and hoping somebody will love us back. And, you know, this is also something that Phoebe, you're doing right now, you're giving all you can and hoping that all these people will come through in the end. But it's a great love story. It's a timeless love story. I can't believe, wow, in 1930s that we still had silent films. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it was one, it was, uh, the, the talkies were already basically in full swing at that point, but Charlie Chaplin was still a little bit dismissive of them. And I, I do want to say, I, I, Phoebe, if you're saying to yourself, oh, thanks a lot for the silent movie recommendation, who wants to watch a silent movie? I do want to point out, you know, if you're remembering silent movies from when you were a kid, uh, you know, you saw them at some screening or like some, you know, museum showing is, or something where they're all scratchy and the picture jumps all over the place and you can't even tell what's going on because the print is in bad shape. The new digital restorations of these silent movies are really incredible. And the details in people's faces, in the sets, in the costumes, like you, you kind of can't believe it when you see them. And whatever you're renting for City Lights, chances are pretty good it's going to come from the Criterion Collection, which is one of the best archives for restored film in the world. So if you're, if you're thinking, oh, God, not a film from 1931, give it a try. And I think you'll be surprised. I love that recommendation. I'm also just very, very surprised by it, Rafer. It's not something that I thought you were going to pull out of your hat. I'm glad to hear that you're a fan, Kristen. I, I'm I'm a fan. I love this movie. I love this movie. And I don't think, you know, in all the years you and I have been friends, you and I have never really talked about this movie, have we? It's so good. No, I don't. I don't think so. It's so good. So good. Okay, Kristen, what is your prescription for Phoebe? My pick is the 1982 science fiction film E.T., The Extraterrestrial, directed by Steven Spielberg. 
It's the story of a boy named Elliot who befriends a gentle alien dubbed E.T. who is stranded on Earth. And with the help of his siblings, Elliot tries to help E.T. get back home to his planet while also keeping E.T.'s existence a secret from his mother, from his school, and from his neighborhood. He wants to call somebody. Oh. <laughs> Wait, what's all this shit? E.T. Phone home. My God, he's talking. Oh. E.T. phone home? E.T. phone home. Okay. And they'll come. Come. Now, on the surface, this may seem like just a kid's movie or a cute alien movie. And I know there was loads and loads of merchandise when this first came out, like stuffed animals and all this stuff. But please, but please do not be fooled by all the merch. This movie is about so much more than kid stuff. It's about alienation and friendship. It's about being displaced and about forming connections so strong it hurts to say goodbye. I do have a note that there is a hospital scene in this, Phoebe, but I promise you right now that no one dies. And even better, there's a scene where children get to fly on their bicycles, and every time I watch it, I cheer, but I mostly cry. So if you need to cry and you're like me, this is going to do the trick for you. E.T. will definitely do the trick for crying. I mean, that's that's Steven Spielberg is a he's he's a he's a master at this kind of stuff. And um, E.T. is just it's it's a great one. You know, the the bicycle scene, like you say, it's uh, it's amazing. It's I think what I like about E.T. is the fact that the that the E.T. himself is not really cute and cuddly. And I think, you know, when you first see him, he's really a pretty gross looking kind of homely uh little sort of squat funny looking dude not really not really cute he looks kind of like a large intestine yeah, that's right he does he's not like the gremlins you know he's not like kind of cute and fuzzy looking right yes. he's just he's this kind of ugly yes. lumpy thing and yet by the end of the movie when you look at him you see him as this sort of adorable, cuddly, wonderful little creature that you want to sort of hug and hold. And I just think that's a real testament to sort of the the, the brilliance of this movie and what a great filmmaker Steven Spielberg is. So, yeah, I mean, if uh, if that one doesn't get you to cry, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know what. I think it's a good choice. Thank you. And I also have to say it is a little manipulative. It does have that John Williams soundtrack. It has all the different things that are going to like... Of course. Really like, <laughs> you know, twist it in there and just like... And and you're going to feel yourself getting manipulated, but you're going to go with it and you're going to love it and you're going to cry and cry and cry and cry. Or I, I really hope you do, Phoebe, because you deserve a good cry. Agreed. So once again, Phoebe, our picks for you are City Lights and E.T. the Extraterrestrial. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie recommendation? Write to us at raferandkristen at gmail.com. Again, that's Rafer and Kristen at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on our website, which is RaferandKristen.com, or you can tweet us at Rafer Guzman or at Kristen Meinzer. Stay with us. When we're back, we'll hear from someone who misses an aspect of city life that Kristen and I also miss. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hey, listeners, we want to tell you about another show we absolutely adore, hosted by my friends Liz Craft and Sarah Fain. It's called Happier in Hollywood, and if their names sound familiar, it's because Liz and Sarah have been writing partners for 20 years, working on shows like The Fix, The Shield, Angel, so many other shows. In each episode of Happier in Hollywood, Liz and Sarah pull back the Tinseltown curtain to give us a glimpse of the writing room, the pitch meeting, and all the other places that make the entertainment we consume possible. And they do it all while exploring themes that apply to all of us, from strategies for being more productive when you're stuck at home, to keeping your creative mojo going when you're feeling blocked, to balancing work and family. Check out Happier in Hollywood. Again, that's Happier in Hollywood, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Okay, Kristen, we're back, and it's time to read our second letter of the week. This one is from Dave. Why don't you read it to us? Yes, Dave says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I miss the daily human dramas of life in the city. You know them. Overhearing the local teenagers have a heated debate about something I don't understand. Riding in a cab with a driver who steers through traffic like he's in a video game. Witnessing both good and bad performers on the subway. Eavesdropping on people on terrible first dates. I miss it all. I miss the snippets of conversation, the laughter, the tears. I miss hearing and seeing all the strangers who make my city what it is. Boy, that's a tough one, Dave. I, I miss all that stuff, too. In fact, when someone was asking me here, we were talking about, you know, what are you going to do when the coronavirus shutdown is lifted and you can get back out there? And, you know, my older son was saying he wanted to go uh, run in the park with his friends. And uh, my wife said, you know, she wanted to go for a, a walk with some of her friends, this, that and the other. I just wanted to go to another cafe and just drop in for no reason and just get a croissant and a latte say hello to the person behind the desk, and then walk back out. You can't do that anymore. You can't do it. I miss yeah. these little, tiny, tiny, the tiniest things, the bodega guy. So, you know, these little things that broke up your day and gave you just a split second, just a millisecond of human interaction, I totally get it. They're gone, and it's a total bummer. 
Oh, it is. And some of those little tiny interactions would sometimes become just regular time markers of our lives and of our weeks. And sometimes they turned into something bigger in our heads. Like I remember when I first moved to New York, one of my favorite things was when I got off my first job, I was on the Upper West Side and I would get on the B train on the subway. And at least once a week, there would be this other guy who was always in the same car as me, always reading what looked like a really good book. And we would nod to each other and he would read his book. I would take out my book. This is the day before Kindles. And it was just this little magic thing where I'm like, oh, I'm going to see the guy who reads good books sometime this week. And there he would be. And, you know, all the other little interactions we have. And sometimes the people probably don't even know we're counting on them. Um, You know, of course, there's the coffee guy or bartender and whatnot who maybe recognize our faces more. But yeah, there are those other things we just overhear sometimes and that we get to be witness to that we don't get to anymore. And it's very quiet. And sometimes the quiet is great. And sometimes the quiet is, it's kind of sad. I totally agree. So Kristen, you want to give a recommendation to Dave? Yes. So my recommendation is, (laughs) I I hope it's not too on the nose. It is a movie called Rear Window by Alfred Hitchcock from 1954. Uh, And it is about a man who is trapped in his house. He has a broken leg. He is in an apartment complex where he can kind of look out through the courtyard at all of the other units in his apartment complex and just see their daily dramas from the one woman who practices her stretching and dance moves every day to the couples who fight. Every single thing he can see out the window he starts taking in as his daily drama, as his daily entertainment, as his city life, because he can't go out and enjoy real city life. And what happens is one day, he thinks he witnesses something that may be a criminal. Here's a clip. Precinct 6, Sergeant Allgood. Hello. Hello. Look, a man is assaulting a woman at 125 West 9th Street, second floor, at the rear. Now, make it fast. L.B. Jeffries. Uh, Chelsea, 25598. And of course, that's really one of Hitchcock's best films. Um, I showed it to my kids not that long ago. They completely loved it. They were, you know, on the couch with the covers, you know, pulled up to right, right up to the, you know, (laughs) right up to the the bottoms of their eyes, uh, you know, white, white knuckles. Um, It's a great movie. Jimmy Stewart, Grace Kelly. I mean, Good Lord, Grace Kelly's never looked more beautiful than she has in that film. It's 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 great. That's a great film. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you brought up the cast because also, you know, Jimmy Stewart is one of my crushes, my long ago Hollywood crushers who's no longer with us. I know. And anytime I see Jimmy Stewart, I just, I love him. I'm very biased. He's the best. I love Jimmy Stewart. So that's Rear Window. It's such a fun movie. And I love that your kids loved it too, Rafer. That makes me happy. Oh, yeah. No, they 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 loved it. All right. What about you? What movie uh, prescription do you have for Dave? I've chosen uh, Top 5 from 2014. Do you remember this movie, Kristen? Oh, of course. Rosario Dawson um, and Chris Rock. And it's really just a day in the life in New York. That's exactly right. This was Chris Rock's version of sort of a Woody Allen movie or maybe like a Richard Linklater movie. It's just a couple of characters walking around, interacting, uh, walking through their city. Chris Rock plays a famous actor, pretty much a version of himself, uh, who's uh, starring in this terrible film franchise called Hammy the Bear. And he's being interviewed by a journalist played by Rosario Dawson. They they kind of hit it off, but it's, you know, clearly not a done deal. Uh, and they just 
just kind of spend the night walking all over New York City while she's trying to get this piece written about him, and he's trying to get to know her, and he introduces her to everybody in his world. Who's your top five? Who's your top five? Slick Rick, Kane, Rakim, Karis One, and Biggie is my fifth man, and Jay-Z is my sixth man. My top five is Jay, Nas, Scarface. Oh, okay. okay. I have to admit Rakim. 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 And then I might let Biggie get in there. My sixth man is LL Cool J. Reefer, I loved this movie. I loved that it was like a Valentine to New York. I loved that it showed a version of New York. No offense, Woody Allen, but yes, offense. That is not just white people. That is not just rich people. That is not just people who are part of academia and that world. But it showed a version of New York that includes the rest of us. And it really is just a joy to like from one scene to the next, this day in the life of what it's like just walking around New York City. It is beautiful. I do have to put a tiny disclaimer, though, in Rafer. Uh, about halfway through the movie, there is – it's either offensive or immature or just irritating, depending on how you want to look at it. There is a joke that is completely out of place in the rest of the movie, which is so smart. Yeah, there are there are a, at least a couple of moments in this movie where um, Chris Rock kind of uh, stoops a little to what I would call some kind of easy – cheap and gross humor. They are few and far between. And most of this movie, I think, is really just a really kind of just like a really sparkling night on the town with two people who are funny and charismatic and they meet all these crazy people. And, and you know, it's it's almost like every single person you could imagine is in the movie. It's Tracy Morgan and Taraji P. Henson and Jerry Seinfeld and Kevin Hart and DMX shows up and just like literally everyone. And I just found it really fun. And I think, uh, Dave, uh, I think you will enjoy the film and I, it'll really give you that kind of vibrant back in the city feeling that you're looking for. So again, our recommendations are from Rafer, top five, and from me, Rear Window. And Kristen, that's about it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. Yes, please don't hesitate to reach out if you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations. Write to us at RaferandKristen at gmail.com. You do not have to use your real name. Again, that's RaferandKristen at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at RaferGuzman and at Kristen Meinzer and on our website, which is RaferandKristen.com. Please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And please tell your friends about our show. It really does help a lot. Tell movie lovers, tell people who are trapped at home, tell your coworkers, tell other people in your apartment complex staring out the window longingly. Anyone you can get to within about seven feet, let's say. <laughs> uh, until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey gang, it's Josh Olson. 
And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call it the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alison Anders, Elijah Woods, Stephen Canales, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Larry Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Shaka King, Lee Daniels, Roslyn Chow, Clancy Brown, Harvey Smith, Ike Arnold, Steve Arquette, Thomas Miller, Jimmy Prince, and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts.